0: I scream like a woman.
1: Welcome to Indecorous Podcast. Indecorous means not in good taste. 9-11 was a gender reveal. <laughs> Indecent. A
2: bunch of lunatics with morbid senses of
1: humor. Immoral. You don't have the money to bulldoze this building? Just draw Muhammad all over the place. <laughs> Somebody will blow that <laughs> up. Shameless. I'd let my bush grow because it's kind of one of those lust for love type of situations. Impolite. People always sh <laughs> fingering, but I'm like, you know what? My finger's always hard. I don't get whiskey fingers. <laughs> and beyond the pale. What you wearing down on your toes? So, Bobby, I have some bad news. Oh, no. Oh, whoa, whoa. Please don't tell me that
2: our fantasy football team that I never cared about isn't doing well.
1: Oh, my God. Well, see, now I feel bad. Because that is, that is exact. I mean, at least you didn't bring up Clint. Every time I say bad news, you think Clint died again. So, no. Clint didn't come back to life and die again. So, that I guess that's the good news. But, yes, we lost the championship game against fucking gay. Uh, we got demolished They scored 207 points To our 118 But I mean it's like Kamara had 56 points he, he tied the record for most touchdowns In one game from a running back And then Diggs He scores 41 points on Monday Night Football You know what I'm talking about Bobby
2: Fucking Kamara man Every
1: every goddamn time Every time So, But listen man At the end of the day We lost a fucking gay Which is Pepper from the Rushmore Podcast And then Thomas from the Rushmore Podcast, they both had individual teams. Overall, we played them five times. We beat them three out of five times. So I think we're the winners here.
2: Yeah, I think regardless of uh, fantasy football or anything. we. Yeah, yeah, regardless
1: of anything, in the eyes of the Lord, (laughs) I think we are the winners. And also, we have a correction.
2: Wait, you're telling me we've spoken something that wasn't true on this podcast?
1: Well, it's actually not us. For once, it was the guest.
2: Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Ian. I, I for sure, was going to bet on
1: Ian. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Ian's got a... I think he's got an unbeaten record on corrections. But it's actually... I'm not going to... I'm not going to... This is not... uh, I'm going to throw shade. I'm not trying to throw shade because...
2: (laughs) I've never used that phrase in my life. Well, I'm it sounds like you haven't either. That was the first time, wasn't it?
1: Well, I'm thirty, dude. I'm like ten years younger <laughs> than you are, so I'm hipper. I'm hipper You're trying to learn what us young kids are saying. That's right, right man. You gotta get with the nineties, bro. So in the episode we had a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, one of the questions that the listeners asked us was, How is a raven like a writing desk? Do you remember that?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barentine knew something about that because exactly cause he reads Hamlet or whatever,
1: <laughs> right? Because he's because uh, <laughs> he's uh, oh, I'm
2: smart.
1: Yeah. I, don't know, I read books like a nerd, but he was actually wrong. But oh, okay, he was. It's okay. actually not from Hamlet. It actually because I looked this up later. That comes from Lewis Carroll. It's from Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Oh, okay, but. This is what I want to say. Like, even though he was wrong about the text where that comes from, he still was way better informed than any of us were.
2: Oh, absolutely. Because yeah.
1: we had absolutely zero clue what that fucking question was about.
2: Yeah. I, th- I thought you were going to be like, actually, it was King Lear. <laughs> yes. The one other Shakespeare <laughs> reference I don't really know that well.
1: It was actually from Hamlet to The Revenge. So <laughs> it's from the sequel. But yeah, apparently it's not from Hamlet. It's from Alice's Adventures in Wonderland from Lewis Carroll. But fucking props to Matt Barentine for just even knowing that it was a literary reference because we didn't know. Because yeah. when I got the question, I was like, all right, I'm dumb. This is probably some pun that I'm not going to get, but Bobby and Ian will know what it But we didn't, know, none of us knew what any of this shit meant.
2: Yeah, tell our, our listeners to stop writing in about pedophile authors. <laughs> <laughs> it's really their fault at that point.
1: All right. So, yeah. So I just wanted to correct that. And I guess we should mention that. Well, I mean, we'll, sure, we'll mention it again in the intro, but Ian is not with us today. Rest in peace.
2: That was my, uh, that was my moment of silence. Yeah, that's right.
1: That's about it. We don't, he doesn't get a minute. He gets, he gets about <laughs> five seconds of silence. Ian is just not here with that well you know we, we kid around, but I believe he is just has um holiday things going on right he has a, he
2: has, what are the, what are those things a, a
1: job, a life job, life, life. a family <laughs> yeah you know shit that losers have yeah, exactly plus it was his birthday like a couple of days ago, so he's probably still fucking hammered off of his mind. God knows what he does on his birthdays, you yeah. know.
2: Yep, yeah. And, uh, you know, a few too many sips of schnapps.
1: Yeah, he might still not made bail from whatever his birthday (laughs) celebrations were. So, yeah. So the rest of this podcast is just going to be me and Bobby. So hopefully you guys can deal with our shenanigans. We'll try our best to fill the void.
2: Yeah. Just pretend that one of us mispronounced something. Yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah. Mispronounced something, missed a word. Just Ian will be with us in spirit.
2: Let's get it out of the way up front. Uh, Chimo, Chimo, Chimo. Chimo,
1: Chimo. Hey, what's up with these autistic people? Derivatives trading. Chimo, Chimo, Chimo. <laughs> I think that covers it, right?
2: <laughs> I have a feeling Ian's going to hear that part. He's never coming back. He hates us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. That's gonna be, I'm going to have to do some heavy editing on that part. I'm going to have to cut at least 17 chimos off of that if yeah. we're going to get Ian back.
2: You're going to have to use that speech as his, like, formal departure from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically.
1: Welcome to Episode 70 of Indecorous Comedy. This is Episode 20 of Season 2. Indecorous Comedy is a reprehensively distinguished educational comedy podcast, either the smartest lowbrow or dirtiest highbrow podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Carlos Valencia. In front of me here, we have Bobby D. Yo. And behind me, we have no one because Ian is not here. Did he tell you, Bobby, where he is? I I just always figure he's in his balcony watching his neighbor masturbate.
2: I was going to say, I I suspect they've got something going on.
1: Yeah, because, you know, it's almost the new year and, you know, he likes to celebrate.
2: Yeah, you know, you can only watch so much before you just invite yourself over, right?
1: (laughs) Uh, That's right. Yeah, that's you got to meet your neighbors. I mean, at least again, I imagine Ian by law has to introduce himself to his neighbors anyway. Well, today we'll be answering listener questions, talking about indecorous news, and we'll be diving deep into indecorous, crazy musician stage antics. That's the best way I could word that. (laughs) And we'll close it all out with indecorous Montana state laws. It's a state I've never actually been to. I've been there. Oh, have you? Yeah, I worked there. Yeah. Well, no kidding. No kidding. that's our guest, Doug Candy. everybody. How you guys doing? Good, man. So you've been to Montana? Yeah. When I first started doing stand-up,
0: I was so terrible that I couldn't get work anywhere. And <laughs> Tribble Run gave me a tour. <laughs> oh, sweet, man. So, uh, yeah. That's great. So 2011 was my first real tour. I'd been doing it for about two years. I was featuring... And when you would go out there, they would give you 28
1: days. Wow, holy shit. Oh, shit. And it
0: would start in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and it would end right outside of Portland or in Richlands, Washington, in one of those two places it would end.
1: I did Richland once. I... Uh, Jokers. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've mentioned Tribble Runs on the podcast a few. They're kind of infamous because basically it's a lot of gigs that are it's they are miles and miles and miles away from each other.
0: Yeah. yeah. The second week of the tours that I did, the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday were fourteen hours away from each other. Holy yeah.
1: shit! Yeah, it's, I didn't do very many because it's just it was so fucking far away from me that I just. Got but it. the one that I did was super cush because I did started and ended in the same city, which was great. Because oh, that's just, wonderful. Yeah, like I think it was like Spokane. Yeah. And so I flew into Spokane, and then the headliner I was I was featuring. So the headliner he drove up, so we just drove his car around, and then I just flew back from from spokane because that's where the tour ended so it, it fucking worked out great but the really hardcore ones are like the ones that you fucking were just describing where it says like all right this gig is over we almost have to start driving now so we can make the other gig before it starts no you have to
0: agree to do that
1: you have to agree to leave the night before
0: and just to let you know i did 17 of those tours
2: holy shit do they pay you in scenic drive <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. When I went
0: from playing music full time, you know, I, you know, we were touring, making money. We, I was in a signed band. And when that all fell apart, I, I never aspired to do stand up. It was just something I thought I could do uh, stupidly. <laughs> and um, so I wrote, you know, i had been writing jokes for a long time. I had a little set I used to do with the band in the 80s and 90s. So I just jumped right into it. And after about a year or so, I said, well, I'm gonna start touring, you know, because I thought I could take the world by storm. And so I went out and sucked for the first four or five years. But they would give me, they featured me for two of those runs and then headlined me every other 15 other months. And they would let me redo it every three months. Are you still out in Florida? Yeah, I
1: live in uh, Palm Coast. I live uh, about 20 miles south of St. Augustine now. Okay. So when I started out, I started out in North Carolina and I never, I really rarely would ever go down to Florida and everybody would tell me like, well, you know, there's, the pay is shit and a lot of the gigs aren't that great. But the one thing is, you know, when nobody else will feature you, you'll probably get featured there or when nobody else will headline you, like some yeah. of those some of those rooms will give you a chance. So, like, I, that's the value. Like, yeah, a lot of the pay is not great and a lot of the rooms might be shitty, but you, you got to fucking figure out a way to get your foot in the door, at least as a, as a headliner, you know, get your chops.
0: Yeah, you're not going to make a living featuring and I'm from Newburn, North Carolina. Oh,
1: OK. Yeah, I moved here in uh,
0: July 27th of 2012 just to do stand up. I had gotten sober. I've been sober, sober about eight months. And I moved down here and stayed with, I don't know if you know Lee Willis. He's another comedian from down here. No, I haven't. A good him. buddy. Yeah, good, good. Okay. He's, he rented me a room for uh, 50 bucks a week. And uh, that's how I started out down here. And I had two weeks on the road every month, no matter yeah. where I was. Yeah. So moving down here
1: mean I worked every single week wait so you're telling me you've you've been sober the whole time you've lived in florida (laughs) i I know i got sober
0: (laughs) december 3rd 2011 and then i moved here yeah
1: that's funny oh my god that's incredible man (laughs) all right we start out the podcast with questions these are questions that are sent from our millions of listeners around the world. Awesome. We accept all questions sent to us, but we rarely have an answer for any of them. This first question, and these are open for everybody, Sonny asks, do you like fig preserves on your toast? <laughs> That's a very comedy question, though. Let's be honest. Yeah. I don't know if I know exactly what fig preserves are, to be honest with you. I do. What are they? It's the, it looks like a plum, kind of, but when you cut it open... It kind of looks like a vagina. Oh, well, I'm surprised I'm not more familiar with this.
2: <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, you know, the the less cultured among us, like myself, would say it's like fig jelly, basically. Right, you, right. That's good. Yeah, I mean, you, Carlos, you've seen a fig before, right? Like the fruit.
1: I, I you know what? I'm not even sure if I have. I have very humble roots.
2: <laughs> so you're telling me when you were growing up in Colombia, putting cheese in your coffee, you
1: didn't. <laughs>
2: You didn't have any figs.
1: You know, that's actually probably the explanation to this whole thing. I don't think there are figs in Colombia. That's probably why I'm not as familiar with figs. I I honestly okay. get confused by the whole jelly, jam, preserves. Like what Me is too. The, what is the? Oh, difference? I don't know
2: what it is. I have no idea.
1: My
0: girl, my girl is an expert on that, and I think it has to do with the curing process with the sugar. Stuff like that. The, cause pres- I think it has to do with how, yeah. When you do tw- preserves,
1: that's the ones that it's like you almost get a piece of the fruit on it, right? Like it's not.
2: Right. I feel like somebody that says preserves is more likely to complain about things <laughs> in general,
1: you know? Well, what would what would be the other way of just calling it fig jelly? Yeah, fig jelly.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. So it's basically interchangeable then.
2: I think so.
0: See, we're going to get in
1: trouble for saying that, I know, from somebody. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. we're going to get I- some letters.
2: Yeah, the preserve enthusiast.
1: Yeah. Well, okay, so I'm going to have to recuse myself from this since I am not sure what fig preserves are. Do you guys enjoy fig preserves on your toast?
2: I don't, I don't have fig preserve money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm pretty basic when it comes to toast. I just put butter and whatever jelly they have at the hotel I'm staying at that has a continental breakfast. Very well. Well, that answers that question, Sonny. Uh, Our next question comes from Ashley. She asks, if you had to make a lineup for a night, who would be your top three comedians for it? Wow. And I'm going to limit this because we've had a few questions in the past podcast about top comedians and stuff like that. I'm going to limit this to living comedians. Good, yeah. You you can't just pluck Richard Pryor out of the dead or whatever. It's got to be current comedians. If you had to pick three, who would you pick?
2: I would say Stanhope, Burr, and Louie.
1: <laughs> that would be a great lineup. I would like that. Yeah. How about you, Doug? Um, I'm going to go by
0: guys that I like on the road uh, Chris Barnes.
1: Okay. He's a dude from Minneapolis.
0: Uh, I met him when I first started. He just absolutely took the house down, mm-hmm. and I know him now. We're friends, and, and he's just got the best attitude of any comic I've ever met, Eddie's he's killer.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: and then I'd say probably number two is Danny Bevins. I've worked with him oh, a bunch yeah. of times. Oh, Danny's, yeah,
1: Danny's great. He does. A, I don't know if he's still doing it, but he was doing kind of like a video thing with Tom Simmons for a minute.
0: Yeah, Tom's a good guy. I've worked with him, too. Danny and I have done a lot of shows together. Awesome. When I first met him, uh, we did a horrible, horrible, horrible outdoor gig together. <laughs> and I just met the guy and he came up to me and said, hey, man, he said, you did all your time and you didn't stop. And he said, uh, I appreciate that. So that's how we became friends. And I say the last one I probably have to say
2: is uh,
0: uh, Bill Burr. Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna say that because he's you have know. him
2: close it out. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah right, exactly. We'll all open. <laughs> he's just he's got that style that, you know, it was hard for him to start. When he's, I mean, when I see guys like that, I just try to think about when they started. Yeah, and you know it had to be hard for him. Yeah, yeah. that
1: dude has been ballsy for a long. T- I mean, because he used to do black rooms and just yeah. just like yeah. straight up fucking didn't give a fuck and kill in black rooms and shit. Like that's, that's one of the ultimate tests of how ballsy you are as a comedian. It's like all right, you're you're pretty ballsy just in regular crowds but can you go into a black room and still fucking be as brazen as you've been everywhere else? yeah
0: urban rooms yeah i worked at an urban room in jacksonville for a year as an employee and let me tell you what it was tough
1: yeah dude to answer this question i actually i'm glad you mentioned some road guys because as i thought about it if i was just gonna pick like three comics that are amazing that are some of my favorites then i probably would go kind of like with bobby's thing where like stan hope and Atel and yeah. burr or louis seek i actually i love norm mcdonald too but then yeah. but on the other side of that if i wanted to be on the show i would probably pick like three guys that are good friends of mine like and i was just thinking about this the other day like i would love to do some shows with junior stop guy and andy andrist and brett erickson just because they're guys that i've known for a long time and i know we get along so it would just be a fun overall it would be a fun experience for me as well as how hilarious they are as performers i get that yep all right our third question here comes from kristen there's our final question why are musicians irresistible to women this is straight up for you bro because i can't play anything i can't play for shit. i love music but i can't play anything
0: i guess i'm the only musician here well you know i toured and played full time for over 30 years and, um, you know, we toured with some big bands. We were never famous or anything. But I think, honestly, when I was shallow and partying and doing all that kind of stuff with girls and stuff, I think musicians go out of their way to be desirable for girls because I think that most of them think that's part of the job. And once I, you know, really fell in love with my instrument and everything, I found that that's the biggest distraction to make you not a good player yeah. is to get fucked up and get laid and every... When I was on the road with the band, with a, with a cover band... Yeah. If you got up with a different girl in each city, you'd get a rep, and even the musicians wouldn't like. So you you didn't sport fuck as much as I mean I was never famous, so you know I I don't know what they do, but
1: so you're saying you're saying that these musicians because the way that this is phrased, I mean I'm just phrasing it exactly how it was sent to me. The way this question is phrased is like it makes it sound like if you're a musician, chicks are gonna dig you regardless of you trying or not. But you're saying that guys would go out of their way to try even harder oh yeah i mean there was i've been in
0: bands before that had fat girl night and rich girl night and they were we were jerks we were shallow assholes and
1: i have no idea you're gonna have to explain those terms because i don't know what fat girl night or shallow who could pull the biggest girl out of the club oh wow really yeah who could pull the richest
0: chick who you know we, we were stupid we were jerks and-
2: <laughs> are you like looking to, are you comparing financial statements before fucking? <laughs> you
0: could do, you could check them out we were all watch freaks and you know any chick that came okay. in wearing a tag and nice jewelry you know she had money it was it was stupid man like i said I, i'm not proud of it at all but i think i think girls are just attracted to guys that play music because they think it's arty farty i don't know i i think it has to do with the the instrument thing probably
2: I think there's a little bit of, I mean, there's got to be a little bit of overlap with comedy, though, as well, where it's just like the fact that you're on stage and like the center of attention. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, there's obviously got to be some talent involved as well. But
1: yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Is like, even if you're not super famous, you're famous in that room. Yeah. Right. (laughs) In whatever venue it is that you're performing at, you are likely to be the most famous person in that venue because you were just on stage everybody was looking at you and hopefully if you didn't suck then all the more people are more wanting to hang out with you just in general absolutely even if it's just dudes that want to have a drink or just chill or whatever the fuck and then with women i think they're going to be more attracted to somebody and also it's a thing that not many people can do i mean at least with the arts it's it's not a career choice that very many people follow so not everybody, especially with comedy, I mean, I, I think that it's very rare that you meet. Like, I know a lot of people that have been to at least a concert or gone to see music at some point. Yeah. I still know a lot of people that have never been to a comedy show in their lives. That's a good point. That's yeah. yeah.
0: And, you know, I'll tell you what, too, that from being a musician all my life, there is a lot more musicians out there than there are comedians. I mean, when you go out to a party or you're at somebody's house or some friends, and it's easy to go, oh, hey, that guy plays drums. That guy plays. You don't go to a party a bunch of people you don't know, and they go, Hey, you know, Tom over there, yeah. he's a comedian. Right. You don't hear that.
1: You know? Right. Yeah. So I think that adds to it as far as with stand-up is concerned. But I do th- agree, though, that musicians definitely get more tail. All right, we're going to move on to our second segment of the night. This is endecorous news. This is the segment where we highlight the most important news happening across the United States and all over the world. After you listen to this segment, you will never have to listen to another newscast ever again in your entire life. Cool. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Bobby, you can start us off with this first story.
2: All right. Finnish man ordered by court to pay alimony for a child resulting from his wife cheating with another man. The Helsinki Court of Appeal has upheld the verdict given by the district court that a man has to pay alimony for a child which is not biologically his and was the result of his wife cheating on him with another man.
1: Now, there's a lot more to this story. There's a few more paragraphs to it, but I'm hoping this turns out better than because right now it just sounds like absolute horseshit to me.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: like I don't know. I don't know exactly how this is going to get turned around.
2: Yeah, like not only is this not okay, I kind of feel like in those scenarios that you know are out there, and Twenty uh, Three and Me is working hard to uncover, but. In situations where somebody has been paying to raise a kid that isn't theirs their entire life, they should be able to sue to recoup some of that money.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. You guys know Carl LeBeau? I've heard the name. Oh, yeah, I forgot all about that story.
0: Yeah, I worked with him, dude, when that first happened. I was on the road in Texas with him when it first happened. When You know, the child support thing? Oh, really? Yeah, we did a week together, and he was in
1: bad shape, buddy. I don't doubt it. Yeah, he was upset. Bobby. you know that story?
0: No, no. What happened?
1: It was, well, you probably know the story better than I did, Doug.
0: Yeah, what, what happened was Carl, had he had some serious child support payments for his daughter. And uh, his daughter's like, I don't know, 8, 20, 22 now. And he had a lot of arrears. And what arrears is, it means if you don't pay your child support on time, it builds up. Yeah. And once the kid's 18, you still owe that money. So what happened was, is I guess she had a blood test or something. And then they checked and they said, you know, With your blood type and your wife's blood type, there's no way this child is yours. And he was like, well, wait a minute. She's been my kid for 21 years now. And it turned out it's Sam Kennison's kid. That's
2: right. I did. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And then a club owner got in touch with him and he told me, I mean, I'm going to leave out the gory details, but he told me that there was a club owner that walked in on him one time when Carl was on stage. It was in Sam's heyday. And he was opening for Sam, and they were backstage, and he walked in on Kennison and his wife and never told him.
1: Mm. Wow. Wait, Kennison and LeBeau's wife? Yeah. I mean, caught him like in the deal. Yeah, that's such a fucked up story. And especially since he found out years after Sam had died and all that. It was terrible. Yeah. Can,
2: can I request that you go ahead and add back in those gory details?
1: <laughs> uh, from what I
0: hear, she was looking out the back. There was a balcony at the stage, and there's a little window where you could actually look out. Where the people in the audience couldn't see, him, but the person on stage could. And she was looking out that window at Carl while someone was hitting her from behind. God oh, damn, that's yeah.
1: fucking brutal, man.
0: Hey, Carl, I look, I hate to say it like that, cause but I don't you know what? I don't think Carl would be mad because I think he's told everybody the story Oh no,
1: yeah, he I mean, and that's an I mean, also he's an amazing comedian.
0: He's an amazing dude. I mean, I, I got to know him and he plays guitar and stuff too, and he's actually you know, sometimes you meet guys and like, ah, oh, he's a cool dude. You know, he's good. This, Carl is actually a really good human being.
1: I've only spent a very short period of time with him, only met him shortly. But yeah, fucking just in the short, you can tell this dude's fucking legit good. Human right. Being, and he's
0: you know? also helpful with other comics and shit. I mean, I mean, he was giving me tags and shit to my jokes. That's awesome. That's a compliment. If you work with a guy who's been doing it for 35 years and he works, walks up to you after your set and hands you a little piece of paper with some tags on it, that's a yeah. compliment.
1: Yeah, I've known Bobby for like 15 years. I've never given him a single joke. (laughs) I just I just like, don't ever do this again, Bobby. (laughs) All right. Well, here's more to this story. The man's wife had given birth to the child in 2014, but it was only two years later that he found out that he was not the biological father of the child. This resulted in the couple's divorce and the man applied for abolishment of paternity, which was not granted. The court had argued that he had applied for annulment of paternity a couple of months too late. According to the Finnish law, men have up to two years to apply for voiding paternity of a child born in wedlock, which turns out to be biologically unrelated. The deadline could be extended only for significant reasons. The man had argued the fact that he had only had found out later and was shocked by the divorce and emotional distress of the revelation. The court had not seen these reasons as significant enough. Wow. I don't know. So I guess basically what they're saying is like a Statue of Limitations type thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. And I feel like finding that out, no matter what the circumstances, that's a very significant reason.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That alone, that in and of itself is a very significant thing.
2: The whole thing. Yeah. Very significant.
1: I paid child support for 11 years. And then what? You, You murdered your ex? What happened after 11 years? He turned 18. Oh, okay. Thank God. He turned 18 after 11 years?
2: <laughs> he was in an advanced class.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was like seven when we were, when we got divorced.
1: Gotcha, so. gotcha, gotcha. So, I don't think there should be a statue of limitations on this. Because unless the kid comes out a different race... Why would you suspect that it's not your kid? Right. So it shouldn't be on you. It's like, hey man, it's on you for trusting women. You should know better. <laughs> you know how women are.
2: I got a buddy that made his baby's mama get a get a paternity test.
1: Is that right? I mean,
2: they and they were together. They were in a relationship when this happened.
1: Well, see, and that's the other. Imagine, <laughs> that, like, imagine that. How the fuck do you even breach that? without your partner getting pissed off at you. It's like, hey, honey, you know how the law is, and she's not going to be offended at all that you're asking for a paternity test?
2: Yeah, you know, I don't know which argument would be bigger, like that one or like one about a prenup.
1: Yeah, like if you come up to your wife or partner or whatever and ask her like, hey, we need to have a paternity test, the best possible outcome at that point is that the kid is not yours. Right. Because if it is, (laughs) then she's going to be pissed off at you for the rest of your fucking relationship.
0: Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, but, you know, I, I, in my hometown of New Bern, it's a small town, I had a buddy of mine whose girl who had an African-American kid and she had been living with this guy. His name was Joe Gotti. He's an Italian dude and he's from New York. No,
1: you, really? Joe Gotti's Italian? And, well, check here's the
0: funny part. The reason <laughs> I tell you he's Italian is because his mom and dad were from New York and they were going to retire in North Carolina too. Well, he he, you know, he told him, you know, my girlfriend's pregnant, my girlfriend's pregnant. Well, they came down for the birth. And when the baby was born, the baby was obviously of color. And you should have heard them in the hospital with that New York accent. What are you (laughs) talking about? That ain't my fucking kid, that fucking Mugliati. And it was just big talk all over town. And Joe didn't know. Joe did not know that she had been sleeping with his neighbor.
1: Oh, my God, dude. Bobby, you can read the last part of the story there.
2: Right. Later, the mother of the child had sued the man for alimony and the court had ruled that he is obliged to pay the alimony as well as for the legal costs of the cheating wife who had taken him to court. Wow. The case has incited social media uproar with many Finns finding the ruling unjust and some commenting on the need for a We Too movement in defense <laughs> of men's rights.
1: You know, this is one of those things where it's because the men's rights movement gets very maligned, and I can see why sometimes. But I also do think sometimes. I mean, this is this is super egregious. Like this is one of the most egregious. But it does seem to me, at least, that a lot of these laws are tilted towards the side of benefiting the female in the relationship.
2: Yeah. Well, there was a, uh, there was some insurance company CEO that found like on a computer or something, he found a bunch of emails or something between his wife and the guy she was having an affair with mm-hmm. that had been going on for a long time. And he's like heartbroken. And he's just like, I thought this person loved me. And they end up getting a divorce and she takes him for, she ends up taking him for half of what he was worth. And she was the one that fucked the whole thing up, you know?
1: Yeah. And then so you hear these stories. And I'm like, all right, there's got to be something has to be done about this. And this is just fucking gone overboard too much on one side. you know.
0: Well, women, you know, you have to look at it too, to be and I'm not trying to be Mr. Women live here, but women have been treated like shit for 3000 years. I mean, there's, oh, yeah. y- you know, I don't believe in God or anything, but in the Bible, it even talks about treating your wife shitty. Yeah. You know, so I mean, just 40 years ago, you could get a chick pregnant. And moved a hundred miles away and they'd never find it. Yeah. So I mean, how many women have been saddled with two, three, four, five kids and a dude just say, Hey, you know what? I'm thirty six, I wanna play golf and sport, fuck. So bye yeah you know so yeah. i mean
2: is that what make america great again is about
0: i, yeah, I reckon because that yeah it, carlos knows my yeah he knows my stance on that I, he and i are, <laughs> are aligned and all that
1: and that's pretty much what trump stood for was that was the whole thing about even before he was president when he came out with that slogan i was like make america great what are you, are you talking about like yeah when slavery was still a thing is that right when you're, <laughs> that, that's when yeah. the, those are the days you want to go back to how far back to greatness are we going exactly <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Yeah, but you're right. If you were going to take a ledger of how many times women have been fucked over over men, then yeah, fucking women have been fucked over exponentially more than dudes. But then you do hear these stories and it's still like, all right, that's this still.
0: Yeah, it's still not right. Yeah, It's
1: still not right. But yeah, I absolutely agree that women have definitely had it worse yeah it's
2: like when women fuck guys over it's expensive when guys fuck women over it's deadly
1: (laughs) life-altering detrimental yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. all right we're gonna go to this next story this actually i just heard about this story today i mean the episodes we record in advance so by the time this airs it'll be maybe a week or two but i just heard about this today i'll start the headline it says alec baldwin's wife hilaria baldwin accused of lying about being from spain after admitting she was born in boston (laughs) <laughs> have you guys heard of this story no
0: rich people sunk
1: yeah all right i'll get into it the 36 year old yoga wellness expert reacted to a tweet over the weekend which said quote you have to admire hilaria baldwin's commitment to her decade-long grift where she impersonates a spanish person unquote however it sparked a firestorm of resurfaced clips and interviews where hilaria seems to unequivocally say she's from spain and moved to the united states for college All right. So, Bobby, you can give us more information here.
2: Internet sleuthing alleged that Baldwin's real name is actually Hillary Hayward Thomas and that she grew up in Massachusetts. Former classmates came forward as one tweeted, I went to high school with her. Genuinely lovely person, I recall, but fully a white girl from Cambridge. (laughs) (laughs) Another said, I went to high school with her. She was perfectly nice and serious about ballroom dancing. Her name was indeed Hillary Hayward uh, Thomas and she did not have her current accent I believe she and her brother, Jeremy, also nice, grew up in Boston and were white people.
1: Wow. Yeah, not only is she not from Spain, she's got one of the whitest fucking sounding names I've ever heard. Hillary Hayward Thomas. Right, right. (laughs) From Cambridge, Massachusetts. Like, it doesn't get more white than this, but apparently that was a thing she's been... I didn't know anything about this lady. I know Alec Baldwin. I don't know who he was married to. I I don't really ever care for celebrity marriages or relationships, but apparently this woman for a long time has been... Not only claiming she's from Spain, but actually doing an accent, like when she does interviews and shit. You see, this is what this is.
0: Now, the Internet sucks about a lot of stuff. But this is what I love about our current (laughs) state of affairs in this freaking country. Nowadays, if you're a bullshit artist and you've been lying your ass off all your life, you will get caught. And I just had a, I just recently went through some shit like this with one of my old friends that says he's a uh, combat veteran from desert storm and he's freaking two years older than me and uh <laughs> and look i and i had to i had to call him out on it
1: you know it blows my mind and i, I agree with you i'm glad that we're in an age where this shit can get verified yeah and bullshit artists especially if, if they're in the public eye can very easily somebody's gonna fucking call them out
0: little lies too man it's like some people and i even i even have some friends who i talk to you know now that i'm getting a little older i, I remember what they said i even have friends that Tell little bullshit lies all their life, and then by the time they're fifty, they were on the space shuttle. You
1: know? <laughs> right, right. I and and the thing <laughs> is, it blows my mind that these people think they are going to get away with it. it right. It, like, what, like, why would you even make this shit up, dude? It's like, especially knowing what we know now that we're in this era where people can actually verify shit. Yeah.
2: Well, in some cases, you get elected, Carlos. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sometimes it pays. What do you off.
2: think? What do you?
0: I mean, now that we're, I mean, I hate to change the subject, but what do you think about Trump? What do you think he's done to the fabric of morality when it comes to honesty? Because you know, I'll be honest with you, man. When I quit drinking and I got drugs and all that stuff, I got off of it. I got to a point where I just I couldn't lie to anybody else, man. I'd lied so much about <laughs> my what I did, and you know, with alcohol and drugs and shit, and lying to my family and. I just got to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. What do you think Trump has done to the populace lying every time he opens his mouth?
1: I think the thing is, it's hard to, I mean, there is no way to put it in numbers, like how much he's affected people's views about whether it's okay to lie or not. I mean, there's no way to measure that. But I do, what he has done that is, I think, very much uh, uh, visible, and you can can see it just in any time that you check Twitter or Facebook, is that he has exposed how little so many people care care about truth. Right. Yeah. It's exposed how a lot of people are willing to look the other way as far as facts, as far as even just morality in general, because the guy's just a general piece of shit. Like, the lying is just one piece of it. It's part of the bigger picture of what a piece of shit human being he is. And there's so many fucking people that are willing to excuse all his behavior just because I like his political ideology or whatever. Basically, all they're saying is, I like that he's racist, so I'm willing to forget everything else.
0: I, I was going to get to that because I got a lot of respect for you, Carlos, man, because you, you know, I was scared to say anything about hating Trump at first because I knew it was going to affect my work, and I was just a, a sissy about it. I didn't want to <laughs> speak out and say I, that I knew he was a piece of shit because I've had personal interaction with him for somebody he fucked over. I, I am friends with someone that he fucked for $100,000.
1: Oh, wow, really?
0: I know the family, and I know what happened to them.
1: Contractors?
0: Yeah, a plumber in Baltimore that was the drummer for our opening band, Armed and Ready. They traveled with us when I was playing with a band called Maniacal in Baltimore in the 80s. Brief story, they were a little small construction company. been doing it for 40 years. Grandfather, father, son, the drummer. And the biggest job they'd ever had was 40 grand. They got Trump Casino in the Inner Harbor, $125,000 job. They got, I don't know how much money up front or for their materials and Trump fucked them for the rest of the money. And then when they went to court, Trump walked in the room with the people that owed him the money and said, I'll pay my lawyer 10 grand to pay you guys a penny on every dollar and I'll save a hundred thousand dollars just by fucking y'all said it right to their face. Yeah. These people, this was before he ever ran for office. This And these are people that have no reason to lie about it. They lost everything. Oh, yeah. This is not something that I just heard. This is something I was there when the dude came to play music with us, when he came from the court, he came straight
1: to us and told us what
2: happened.
1: Uh. Dude, and that's like obviously I don't know I don't know your friend I don't know the people that you're referring to, but that story has been told over and over and over again. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's why I yeah. believe it. He's fucked so many fucking people over, and it's his
2: M.O. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, he taught
1: other people to do it. He had a college where he had a class
0: where he would teach you how to not. And then check this out. Not only this is another thing that, that, that he told this guy that I learned. Not only will he teach you how to fuck over the contractors, but he'll teach you how to, when you go to a town and they know that you won't pay, he teaches you how to pay up front, but screw them for the payments. Because it got to a point where no one would work for Trump because he wouldn't pay. So somebody will come in and say, look, it's $30,000 for the footings. He'd say, okay, there's $30,000. Then he'd add a bunch of shit on and not pay Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, this called change orders. I own the construction company for, you know, but what I was saying about lying is I have two friends that are diehard Trump supporters and I get to ask them questions because they like me as a person. They're both big comedy fans and friends of my old lady and stuff. So they like me, even though I'm the liberal, you know, the lefty. And I've asked them questions before. I'm like, man, how can you put, I mean, you're a good person. I know you, how can you let somebody lie like this? And this is both of them answered the same thing. They said, The press and liberals are such assholes. Even if Trump is lying, they deserve it. And that's their philosophy.
1: Yeah, I can see that, man. I can see that. It's almost like their hatred overcomes uh, morality. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, Trump, Alec Baldwin's wife. (laughs) Well, she Baldwin tried to correct some of what she says are misconceptions about how she has presented herself. Quote, It's very surreal, she told the New York Times. There is not something I'm doing wrong and I think there is a difference between hiding and creating a boundary. Like this woman really does sound like Donald Trump to be honest with you. It's like she's wow she's gotten called out and she still is not willing to accept the whole thing baldwin has claimed she was born in mallorca spain and raised in boston she explained on a podcast i moved here to america when i was 19 to go to nyu my family lives in spain they live in mallorca the bilingual mother of five's accent has also noticeably fluctuated over the years when she made appearances on tv in one damning clip from the today show she appears to forget the english word for cucumber Wow! So she's like, so she's on the Today Show, I'm assuming doing some sort of cooking segment. And then she d- tried to pull the whole...
2: You hope it's a cooking segment.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully it's a cucumber. But anyway, she was like, oh, what do you call the, uh, yeah, oh, cucumber or whatever the fuck. Like yeah. she tried to, like, that's how hard she's trying to push this whole, Wow! I'm um, from Spain... <laughs> I don't know the names of your fruits and vegetables. I wonder if Alec knew. Well, that's a that's another thing.
2: I oh, if if Alec knew the English word for cucumber. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah right, right. No, to... I wonder if he knew she was bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great question. I mean, I don't know if it's in the rest of the story, but I read a little. Oh, Bobby, I'll just let you read this this next segment.
2: Baldwin's own bio on her agency's speakers site states she was born on the island of Mallorca, Spain, and raised in Boston. Her 2016 interview with Ola magazine also stated, Hilaria, who was born in Spain, has made certain to raise her children with her native language, Spanish. Her Wikipedia and IMDb page all previously listed her birth country as Spain. Speaking in her latest interview, Baldwin blames false reporting and says she's never actively misrepresented her heritage.
1: Bullshit. She's trying to pull fake news, man. Right, right. Yeah, this is almost like Trump, man.
0: Yeah, don't believe what you're hearing. Believe what I'm saying.
1: Right, exactly. So, for example, she says she is bilingual and often speaks in various different accents depending on her mood. Because, you know, that's what happens. <laughs> you know, depending on my mood, sometimes I sound Southern. Sometimes I sound uh, from the Midwest. And, you, know, you know how moods are. <laughs> When it comes to articles and bios incorrectly listing her as being from Spain, she notes that she doesn't read articles about herself and therefore was unaware that her ethnicity was being incorrectly reported. As for the cucumber moment, she says that she was simply nervous to be on live TV and had a brain fart. Okay. So yeah, that that that's all that was. She she you know she knew cucumbers. She just had a brain fart. It wasn't her trying to play up that she was actually from Spain.
0: Sometimes when I'm really tired, I sound like I'm from Russia. Right. Sometimes I sound like I'm from New York. So yeah, I get
1: it. Yeah, same here, man. Same here. Sometimes <laughs> I'm from Boston. Sometimes I'm from L.A. Who knows? Hey, are you doing? Huh? <laughs> right. Honestly, if she wanted to turn this whole thing around, she could just
2: be like, "Yeah, you know, you're right. Uh, I suffer from mental illness." I'd like to bring awareness (laughs) to that mental illness and who then is going to criticize her at that
1: point. Yeah, that's right. You just twist it on them. Oh, so you're going to make fun of my mental illness? You're being ableist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, So she concluded her interview by saying she does not agree with accusations of cultural appropriation, given that Spanish culture is and has been a part of her life since she was a child, regardless of where she was born. Quote, this has been a part of my whole life, she explained, and I can't make it go away just because some people don't understand it. So it's not her fault. It's our fault. Right. We just don't understand her.
2: The funniest part about this whole thing is that nobody would even be talking about this if she weren't Alec Baldwin's wife.
0: That's true. Yeah, that's true. it,
2: It wouldn't have even come up. It would have just been that lady that pretends she was born in Spain. What about that chick that said
0: she was... Remember that chick that with the curly hair that...
2: Rachel Dolezal? Yeah, that was... Yeah. I mean, she
0: got... I saw that interview for the very first time, the one that outed her. I saw that like yesterday for the very oh,
1: first time. Oh, shit. It was the, the, one, the, the one where they're asking her and she's like, well, I don't, uh, I, you... don't
2: well, yeah. I don't, well, not only, Yeah, not only did she <laughs> trick people, didn't she become like the local president of the NAACP or something? Yeah, she,
0: she teaches like a class on African-American history in a college. And I think she won an award of like, african-american women of le- leadership women or something yeah
1: yeah i was reading about this story and that's one of the people that got brought up is that woman that you know she was like oh, i just uh you know i identify as a african-american meanwhile she's just like a white girl from wisconsin or wherever right. the fuck she was from and so same here and actually to answer i i didn't know if it was in the rest of this script but apparently alec baldwin there's clips of him on like letterman or or like late night shows where he's like well you know my wife she's from spain and uh and then when he does a impression of her he does it with a accent no a so like if he knows he's playing along with this ruse or he just doesn't you know we we're talking about dudes fucking raising kids that weren't theirs this guy's got even fucking played for the ethnicity of his wife that's fucking insane
0: you know what you're you're probably right he probably didn't know
1: that that is insane like yeah yeah actually you know yeah. what if he didn't know, he probably wouldn't admit to it, right? That would be even more embarrassing.
0: Well, here's the first question: Is she hot?
1: Yeah, I think so. Well,
0: if she's hot, then who? Dude, come on. He, Alec Baldwin is sixty-something years old. She's probably thirty-eight. She's hot. He's probably like, I don't care if you're from Zaire, you know?
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, you can. Not be, that Zaire is wrong. No, but you can be where any country you want to be, baby. That's fine. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. smoking. You
0: can be from Delaware. I don't give a shit.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like, I don't give a fuck what accent you make. You're fucking me. Like, I'm not, gonna, you're, you know, I don't care what accent you have while you're sucking my dick. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't care where that mouth is from. I know where it's going.
1: It's time for our next segment, a decorous deep dive. We build this podcast as an educational comedy podcast. We often fall short of the latter, but we always deliver on the former. This week we'll be talking about the indecorous history of crazy musician stage antics. That's the best way I can describe <laughs> it. This is it's actually right up your alley, Doug. This is stories of musicians doing crazy shit on stage. Back when comedy shows used to be a thing, 99.9% of shows were uneventful, as long as some drunk audience member didn't try to start a fight with the comic on stage. While audiences don't want to hear even their favorite comedian tell the same joke twice, Musicians, on the other hand, will get crucified if they don't play their hits at a concert. They're allowed to repeat all the material they want, but whether it's dancing, pyrotechnics, or crazy lights, they are expected to put on a show. Tonight, we're going to talk about a few musicians over the years who took things just a little too far. And Bobby, you can tell us this first story.
2: All right, I feel like this is kind of one of those things. Since Doug is a musician, that these are going to be the the butchered stories that got famous that weren't necessarily true or whatever, and he's just going to have lots of problems with uh, with this whole thing. Well,
1: so, uh, I mean, that's how these stories get <laughs> legendary. Is like something small happens, and then it just gets built up from one person told the next person told the next person.
0: Really, the only difference is that road musicians usually, and I'm talking about guys like me who are nobody. We usually know two stories: the story that got out and the real story.
1: Right, right.
2: (laughs) Uh, So according to what I found in this article, um, (laughs) Gigi Allen cut himself and ate his own feces. Wow! Uh, With parents crazy enough to name their kid Jesus Christ Allen, uh, this might be the only form of rebellion he could come up with that his parents wouldn't embrace wholeheartedly. He would take laxatives before shows to make sure there was no shortage of material, and he would cover himself in feces and was even known to attack people in the crowd
1: this was way before my time but i did see that there's a documentary about gg allen yeah i think it's i think it's called hated and you see this like there's video documentation of this guy just fucking he would get naked and then throw his shit around and yeah his, his real first his real name was jesus christ allen
0: yeah i know a little bit about him i, I was always a kind of a closet punker when i was Because I went to music school for classical, and I played blues and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I always liked a little bit. He actually was mentally ill. I mean, of course, throwing shit around makes you crazy. But, I mean, he was actually schizophrenic, and he didn't take his medicine. And that's just what I heard from some people that knew him. I uh, believe it. Yeah, he's just
1: crazy. In the documentary, too, they show him he liked to visit... It was either Berkowitz or the clown, John Wayne Gacy, and he liked to talk about murdering and raping people. Like, this guy was genuinely just, like, psychotic. Yeah. Dude, it wasn't like, because you hear stories about the theatrics of Alice Cooper, but Alice Cooper was just, he was doing it for the theatrical value of it. He wasn't a fucking psychopath, but G.E. Allen was, like, genuinely fucked up in the head. All right, this next story, Keith Moon once tried to add a little pyrotechnic pizzazz to the Who's show and caused a much larger explosion than intended, leaving some band members with permanent hearing damage and shrapnel wounds. Luckily, this all occurred pre-9-11, or he would have still <laughs> be serving out a life sentence for building a weapon of mass destruction. Never heard of this one. So he just went overboard with the pyrotechnics at the concert. That's a normal
0: thing, all bands do that. Is we did it too when we were first starting to use stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it's that's not a far fetched story, they'd be, be very possible.
1: I can see it.
2: What was that band at that nightclub that went way overboard with the pyrotechnics? Great White, <laughs> yeah,
0: great, great white, white. yeah. Right. The yeah. whole
1: thing like caught on fire. And I shit, know some right? people
0: that were at that show. Holy, Holy shit, that man. was in uh, Rhode New Island, right? Rhode oh. Island, that's right, yeah,
1: yeah. Rhode Island, that's right, yep.
0: CMC is the booking agent. I think that booked that gig, and they were the same one that booked Corella Deville and a couple of all the bands I was in. So yeah, they oh, they shit. yeah, bad stuff.
1: I can see, and I can also see. I mean, well, Keith Moon is uh, infamously he was a madman, so I can see it being like, ah, you know what'd be fun? Let's just fucking right really <laughs> ramp this shit up. And, you know, it's all fun and games until the whole fucking thing catches on fire. Yeah,
2: and 103 people die, I think it was. Well, and
1: with the, with the, I mean, I don't know if you can blame one incident on it, but I do know that Pete Townsend has hearing issues now. But, I mean, that that also, I imagine, can happen from doing loud concerts for fucking decades.
2: Yeah, yeah
0: we all do. We all, I have it, too. We we were 116 decibels on stage for 20 years. Oh, shit. Yeah, Yeah. So there's problems.
2: It's got to take its toll, Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'm sure this didn't help the whole fucking big explosion shit, but also decades of doing loud music will fucking right. do that shit to you. All right, Bobby, you can do this next one.
2: Before it became everybody's favorite wet market soup, Ozzy Osbourne famously bit off the head of a bat on stage. Supposedly, somebody just threw it on stage. So I'm gonna come out and say that bringing a bat to a concert is at least 49% as weird as biting its head off. <laughs> at least in Ozzy's defense, he claimed he thought it was fake.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was never, of course, on Ozzy's level. We all knew Jeffrey Whelan. Zach, that's who that is, is. He was in a band from New Jersey's The Zoo. And they played the okay. same circuit we did back then. But uh, the thing with Ozzy that blows my mind is Ozzy hated Americans. Really? Uh, my only my only experience <laughs> with Ozzy was in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I got backstage. Uh, we're just a couple of guys that, are, you know, a couple of musicians backstage milling around trying to see famous people. And Ozzy walked in his bus. We were six feet away. He looked right at me, right in my eyes and flipped me the bird. Stuck his Jesus. hand right out in front of me. Stuck his hand out with his finger up and gave me the finger and said, fuck off and shut the door. And that's uh, it was six weeks after Randy died. So.
1: Oh, ooh. OK.
0: So he gets a pass.
2: To be fair, I feel like if any of us growing up in another country knew what we know now, we might feel the same way.
1: (laughs) About (laughs) America? About how our
2: government treats people and stuff. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: He's just not a nice guy. He's never been a nice guy. He's always been a prick. And uh, he's treated all the musicians that's worked with him. He's treated most of them shitty. So that's unfortunate.
1: Is that right? See, I didn't know that.
0: Oh, yeah. Jake lee has got some stories and just the way he gets rid of people. The only person that's really benefited repeatedly is, is Zach. And that's because Zach is just a hardworking dude. He's just a, a really hardworking guitar player. He just, you know, he's constantly writing and working and doing stuff
1: right on well this next story this actually i think this guy lives in florida now iggy pop (laughs) he regularly puked on stage and even rolled around on shards of glass he also tried to get someone in the audience to stab him and when no one volunteered to be charged with attempted or possibly second degree murder he sliced an x into his chest with the knife
0: wow i don't know nothing about that
1: yeah, I, I mean, from the stories I've heard of Iggy Pop, he's he was fucking hardcore. I mean, even I mean, I don't know. It's it's been a long time now, but within the last ten years, he was still fucking doing shit. Isn't like he this.
0: eighty-seven years old?
1: Well, he might be like hundred and fifty years old. Yeah, like he's the guy, up there, but he keeps in like fucking amazing shape for yep. an old dude. Yep.
2: You know, you know, I uh, I gotta say, I feel like mothering yourself in your own feces just that to me I, I would rather do that than roll around in shards of glass <laughs> like have you ever gotten just one little tiny piece of glass in a finger or something
1: <laughs> yeah yeah at least you can wash off the shit off of you but yeah. yeah all those fucking stabs from broken glass but that's how hardcore this guy was there's a there's a great story i saw it uh, like fucking 10 years ago here probably but it was story henry Rollins told. About how he was opening for Iggy at some festival, and he was like, Oh, you know, that's his idol or whatever. And it's like, I'm gonna fucking go bolts to the wall, see if Iggy can follow this shit. And yeah, sure enough, he, you know, he did amazing, but then Iggy just topped him. I mean, I can't tell the whole story because it's, you know, I'll butcher it. But yeah, that's how fucking (laughs) hardcore Iggy is that he just fucking let Henry Rollins on the ground from how hardcore he went off. Wow.
2: Real quick, speaking of Henry Rollins, I don't know if you guys have seen the show Sons of Anarchy. yep he, uh, he, put, he played that white supremacist on there. And there's a scene where he's got his shirt off and he has tattooed on his body. Somebody had to come up with this idea for the show <laughs> tattooed on his body. It says. I kill N word.
1: <laughs> wow, really? On
2: the, yeah. As the, like, somebody was like, man, we got to give this guy some hateful tattoos. We can't just give him like a regular swastika or something. And that's what they came up with. What to say? It's I I kill n words. I'm not going to say it, but you know. Oh oh oh! Yeah, use your imagination. <laughs>
1: yeah. Sorry, That's I okay. didn't hear that
2: last part. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: Doug is trying to get you canceled, Bobby. No, he no, wants to no, hear no, you no. say that word. <laughs> no, no.
2: Sorry. <laughs> be cool if you just legitimately didn't know what the n word was. <laughs>
1: uh, Bobby, you can do this next one.
2: Right. Um, I actually I haven't. My ignorance is shining through. I don't know who this guy is, but. Uh,
1: Oh, I don't know either.
2: Uh, Greg Pucciato, Pucciato, defecated in a bag and threw it into the crowd. So these are different
1: things. They're not all related here. They're just like yeah, they're like small fragments. Got a little one-liner. Do you know who Greg Pucciato is, Doug? I, I do not. I, I've never. I don't.
0: I don't. The name doesn't sound familiar.
1: I don't know. And, and Bobby wrote this, and he wants to throw us all off <laughs> with this. He's doing it. Yeah, he's just making up names at this point.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't heard of any of these people except for, yeah, well, the first few. Okay. Uh, Lord Worm got his nickname from eating worms on stage. Nice. Jim Morrison was arrested for waving his penis at the crowd.
0: Hey, let's be honest. We've all been there
2: yeah
1: yeah i yeah. mean that's that's barely anything uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> not to be outdone by morrison marilyn manson took it a step further and urinated into the crowd
1: wow all right i think gg G. allen did that before too it would be funny if that's where gg G. allen drew the line like yeah i'll throw my shit out there but pissing on people get the fuck out of here with
2: am <laughs> <laughs> not an animal
1: <laughs> yeah I, i'm a christian <laughs>
2: I love Marilyn Manson, though.
1: Yeah, I, I am a big fan. of He's also another guy from Florida.
2: Yep. It does also make you really think about those uh, what would Jesus do things that used to be all over the place.
1: Now, G.G. Allen again, of earlier self-mutilation and scat play fame, also figured, why wait for the green room and encouraged audience members to blow him on stage? Oh, well, I mean, I do this at every one of my shows. <laughs> Nobody ever takes me up on it. But yeah, I've I, never you know, had that either. <laughs> That would be one of those where if anybody... I mean, I'm just so grateful anytime that somebody is willing to blow me that I wouldn't put any kind of caveats on. It's like, oh, you got to do it on stage. Like, no, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I'm patient enough. We can go back to the red roof after the show.
0: In the band days, especially in the 80s, when we were wearing makeup and we got signed, thought we were moving up there because we were opening for famous people. There was girls that wanted to pleasure you behind the PA system while people were in the room. It was kind of like a rush. And there was girls that just wanted you to be able to see the audience either in between songs or during the break and let them do their business while you could actually see the audience.
1: Would you be able to perform while they were performing?
0: No, it was in between sets. I wasn't actually playing guitar, but I was standing there while there was three hundred people in front of me and the PA system to the ceiling.
1: I was about to say I was about to say, Good Lord, man.
0: You can't play (laughs) eruption and get blown at the same time though.
1: All right, Bobby, you can do this next one. Uh,
2: So Neil Young used to hide cocaine in his nostrils during live shows.
1: Wait, wait a second. How do you hide cocaine? (laughs) Isn't that just snorting cocaine? (laughs) Okay.
2: Uh, I mean, a lot of musicians hide cocaine in their noses, but Young must have had a really dull razor to miss the rock of coke that once fell out of his nostril. The live show was recorded to become a film, but his horrified manager had to ask the production company if they could do anything about it. (laughs) <laughs> apparently yeah like a chunk of coke like fell out of his nose or fell something.
1: out of his nose yeah that's
0: got to be the dumbest story i've ever heard in my life
2: <laughs> yeah
1: right of
0: course we have, what What do you do, get a little tiny little bag and stick it up in his nostril and then yeah <laughs> i
2: mean come on man
1: yeah yeah what would be really funny is if the rest of the band just jumped on that rock immediately after it fell off his
2: nose <laughs> <laughs> yeah Everybody knows that the big guys have, like, you got a guy that just cuts it up for you.
1: Well, a lot of musicians did some crazy stuff even when they weren't putting on a show. Slash has now been sober for years, but it took near-death experience to get him to stop blowing his advance checks on coke and heroin. He was particularly high one day in the early 90s when he thought a monster similar to the Predator was chasing him with weapons. In an effort to escape, he ran around naked through an Arizona golf resort smashed a glass door, took a nearby maid as a body shield and hid behind a lawnmower. (laughs) It's funny that he thought that's what was going to save him from the Predator, was a fucking lawnmower.
2: Maybe he thought it was a really advanced weapon, you know?
1: Must have
0: been a John Deere.
2: Yeah.
1: Right, that's what I was saying. Yeah, the Predator never will make it to the John (laughs) Deere. He also got a mountain lion as a pet that, of course, once escaped his cage and completely destroyed his hotel room. What? He had it in his hotel room, this fucking mountain lion? Yeah. Wow.
2: Hey, you don't Good travel Lord. without, you're going to travel without your mountain lion? Get
1: the fuck yeah, out. this is my emotional support mountain lion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I heard he used to get his buddies, he'd have like, uh, and I heard Mitch Hedberg did this too, but uh, I heard that Slash would have like four or five guys and he'd say, here's 50 grand a piece, bring me back whatever you can find. Wow. And they would come back with two keys of cove, wow. a pound of weed and ecstasy and lewds and whatever he wanted. I mean, I heard that about him. I've never met Slash or anything, but I've heard he was a crazy one.
1: I would also think that's a good way of never seeing somebody again is giving them $50,000. Yeah. He didn't
0: care. He didn't care. Mitch Hedberg was the same way.
1: Yeah. Kenny
0: Smith's brother used to take Mitch's card, and Mitch would say, bring me back anything. And he'd go take his card, take 5000 out of it, go spend it, and come back and do all the drugs with Mitch all night long.
1: Yeah.
2: Holy shit. I remember hearing a story years ago about, I mean, I heard it from the guy, you know, that was in in it telling it, uh, but he Mitch was playing at the club that weekend. So he saw Mitch go into the bathroom so he went into the next stall and like audibly did some coke, you know, so that to get Mitch to like ask him and then, you know, sure enough, they became friends and he brought him on the road with him and stuff.
1: Yeah. That's a lovely story. Yeah. yeah. I got a,
0: Mitch was dead by the time I started doing comedy, but I was such a drunk that when I first started doing standup, I'd call his mother. Oh, wow. Mary in Minneapolis. She would talk to me twice a month for about three years and she'd tell me to hang in there, told me all kinds of stories. And she was just the sweetest lady. She passed away about three years ago.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, she was really sweet to me, man. I mean, she, she would literally call me back. I mean, a lot of comics called her and talked to her. I, I got her number from another comic. So See,
1: that's a, Mitch is another. He, he was originally from Minneapolis, but he spent a lot of time in Florida when he was starting out.
0: He actually, you know, I'm a house comic at Coconuts Comedy Club in St. Pete Beach. Uh-huh. And he actually lived there. I stayed in his room at Bob's house and he was a house comic at coconuts
1: for two years wow that's wow that's cool man yeah i know i'm the same i actually the year that i started doing stand-up is the year that mitch died i actually i had tickets to see him like as soon as i found out he was going to be in town i bought him like two three months in advance and he died like a month or two later so i never oh, got no. to say yeah
2: i was trying to get tickets to that to that show yeah and he died like two weeks later
1: yeah that
0: happened to me with randy rose i bought my tickets and a week later he died.
1: wow dude all right well we're gonna go to our last segment of the podcast this is indecorous laws Every week or whenever we feel like we highlight some of the oddest laws in different states of the United States. Most of these were real laws, at least at some point. Some of them have since been repealed and others are sadly still on the books. This week we are doing Montana. And Bobby, you can do this first one.
2: If you start performing on stage, you are committing to finishing that performance on stage. You can't abandon it mid-song. The law states that no entertainer or performer, whether male or female, shall be permitted to leave such platform or area while entertaining or performing.
1: That's a trip. That's pretty hardcore. I don't know why they felt the need to say whether you're male or female. I don't know why like people were going to assume, like, well, you know, women, they change their minds all. They're so moody, you can let them go. But no, that's yeah.
0: actually a union thing because I was in uh, ASCAP for about 14 years. And that's Mm -hmm. actually a union thing. I've seen that before.
1: Really? So it's like so it oh, so it's because you can't fuck the the people that are setting up the stage and all that shit?
0: Yeah, if you if you're doing a show and you get halfway through and stop, that's you're breaching contract because you're hired to entertain and that's from start to finish. So if you get through halfway through a song and stop, you're in breach.
1: I will say I have been pretty good about sticking to my time or doing my allotted time (laughs) as a comedian but i have phoned it in for the last half of my set quite a few times
0: that's all right you get a pass bro yeah yeah
1: (laughs) i was on stage for 30 minutes but i was only paying attention for about 10 (laughs) all right this next law is driving animals onto a railroad track with intent to injure the train can result in a fine the fine can be up to $50,000. Breaking this law can also result in a stay at the state prison not exceeding five years and other damages, according to the Montana state legislature. What
0: kind of animal could you yeah. fucking put on a,
1: a fucking Bigfoot? Rontosaurus? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Indian <laughs> elephant? I mean, what could stop a train?
1: That's what I'm saying. Is like, that's what I like about this law. Is like, apparently, they don't give a fuck about the animal. So it's just don't stop the train. Right, right. This isn't a cruelty to animals law. It's like, fucking, don't stop our fucking train.
0: Yeah. Man, we paid a lot of money for this train. Leave it alone.
1: <laughs> Bobby, you can do this next one.
2: Montana allows double proxy weddings where neither party needs to be present.
1: Yeah. Oh, shit. That's terrible. We did a... <laughs> I forget what state, because we do. there's a recurring segment. So we did a state, it might have been Texas, but where they allow proxy weddings where it's like somebody else can stand for you if you can't be at the wedding. So like some dude... That you know can be like, oh, yeah, I'm here on behalf of Doug. But apparently here, neither one of the two has to be. You can just have two fucking people just stand in for you.
0: You could prank the shit out of somebody like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no shit, right?
2: See the only time I've ever heard of a proxy wedding was on the show Oz and that's because one of the people was in fucking was prison. prison.
1: <laughs> oh, is that when like the dude had to be the wife or something?
2: Yeah, it's like Jefferson King. I something. don't
1: I don't remember the names. I've seen the show but I don't remember the names. I wonder if that's another thing like does it have to be a female standing in for the bride or it could just have two dudes? Well
0: nowadays, you know, it could be anything. Yeah,
2: it's all fucked up nowadays. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah that's yeah. why we
1: need to make America great again.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Good
0: callback.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do this last one. In Montana, it is unlawful to raise, sell, or give away rats, except as food for reptiles, birds of prey, or both.
0: That's understandable, because they've fucking reproduced like you wouldn't believe. Yeah,
1: that is true, though. But I, I also... like And listen, I, I am not a fan of rodents. Like, I... I watched this movie when I was about five years old about this giant rat that terrorized a guy's apartment. And the guy. It was a
2: Colombian movie?
1: No, no, no. This is a oh, fucking. Okay. There's an American movie, but my, my parents had it on VHS. And I watched it once. And it just traumatized me th- th- for the rest of my life. And it was this giant rat. <laughs> and like this guy went crazy, dude. Like he was. Like he, he had a bat. He hammered nails through the bat because that's how fucking large this rat was. And it was just fucking driving them insane. Wow. So I've been scared of rats ever since then. But all that said, I still feel bad for these mice that get just sold to be eaten by a snake. I still feel bad for these fucking mice.
0: I'm not a real big fan of reptiles as pets anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's like our old buddy Joe Zimmerman has the bit. It's like, there's so many other cuddly animals that you could have. Why would you have the one that's, what is it, bouncing his head against the glass because he wants to kill you?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, he looks yeah. like he hates you. <laughs> you can't go to your boa or your lizard and go, come here.
1: Yeah, Right, it's not right. Gonna, it's not, you
0: know. Funny quick story, I rescued this cat that was underneath the house next door. There was two or three little kittens I, I pulled up in my truck. And as I pulled up, one of them started walking toward me and an owl came down and grabbed it and took it.
1: Oh, my God. Holy shit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I screamed like a woman.
1: So <laughs> by the time I got out of
0: my truck and started running, another owl had grabbed the other one. What? So yeah, by the time I got to him, I grabbed the last little kitten and I adopted it. So I took care of it. I had it for about a year. And one day, I was living alone. I had just started doing stand-up. I was broke. It was like 2010. I was uh, walking by my, I had my Marshall stack set up in my little apartment and the cat used to sit on top of one of the half stacks by the kitchen. And as I walked by with a big plate of food, I just cooked it. I walked by the cat and I held the plate out, like smell this. And the cat smelled it and went and sneezed all over it. Big cat boogers. It was just like the worst thing that has ever uh, happened to me with a cat.
1: With a, uh, yeah,
0: and it was like purposely. Like she waited. And
2: you brought it outside and fed it to an owl? <laughs> no, that's a
0: good, that's a, that's a good uh, ending for that joke.
2: <laughs> I actually stood there thinking I got
0: to eat this food. And then I, I, I could see cat snot all over <laughs> it. And so I put it on the floor. The cat ate two bites and wouldn't eat any more of it.
2: I used to feel bad about mice and, and rodents and everything getting killed and stuff and I don't like go out of my way to step on them or anything but I did see a documentary a few years ago about rats and 100% of them are just loaded with disease they are just <laughs> they are absolutely just vile creatures it's not really their fault or anything but they just are and when they're not getting people sick they're fucking chewing up your wiring in your house and causing tens of thousands of dollars worth yeah, of damage. Yeah, the saliva
0: is like poisonous or something.
2: Yeah, so fuck rats and fuck mice, I guess is where <laughs> those the, Where are those owls when you need them, you know? Yes, right. <laughs> All
1: right, well, we reached the end of the podcast, guys. Doug, thank you so much for doing the podcast, my friend.
0: Hey, man, thanks both of you guys for having me. And like I said, I get to tell you, I got a boatload of respect for you, man, for for your disposition with everything. And and anytime you need a little backup, you got it. I
1: appreciate it, dude. And uh, do you have anything you want to plug? You got any social media people can check you out at?
0: yeah anything doug canny i got twitter i even got believe it or not i got tiktok now
1: holy shit dude i
0: know (laughs) i'm doing some shred guitar stuff on there and stuff right on but uh yeah and i'm I'm, uh, at jackie knight's comedy club 16th i'm at rolando's in orlando on the 30th 24th i'm in orlando at jam comedy club it's a new comedy club where they throw axes they have a comedy club with an axe throwing thing inside of it. So if I really suck, it could be my last game. Holy
1: shit! So there's like they'd replace the light with an axe. Is what I'm hearing <laughs> here.
0: Dude, that's there's my first joke. <laughs> my
1: first joke and there you go. You're welcome, buddy. But yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, are you allowed
2: to get on that stage and not make a joke about the axe throwing?
1: Yeah, I don't think you can. You have to fucking mention that shit.
2: I think I'm the third comic that they've had since
0: they started doing stand-up there so all the low-hanging fruit shit i'm sure has already been used so i'm gonna have to come up with something good like what you just had said i'll have to come up with some good shit
1: well fucking, just bring a shield with you dude right. <laughs> all right doug thanks again man i appreciate you hope to see you soon my friend yeah you too guys you guys take care bobby you got any last words
2: <sighs> whoo
1: uh Oh, I like it. You mixed it up right there. That was a, that's like a spicy sigh.
2: I almost forgot, man. I was going to text you earlier and tell you to remind me, but I didn't want to ruin the magic of it or anything. Mm-hmm. But the HVAC company that is coming to do some work for me is called Get Air
1: Done. Oh my God, is that real? <laughs> is
2: that That is absolutely true.
1: <laughs> Your HVAC company, whatever, is called Get Air Done? get air
2: done a highly hopefully their knowledge of hvac is better than their taste in comedy but they come highly recommended
1: but you know what i'll say that much as i'm not a larry the cable guy fan if i had to get work done on my house i would want it to get done by larry the cable guy fans
2: absolutely every fucking time like yeah. if
1: the name of this hvac company was some kind of john Mullaney reference i'd be like no i'm good
2: Dude, if somebody pulls up in a truck to work on my house and I don't see a rebel flag, I tell them to get the fuck out. Yeah, of yeah, care. yeah.
1: You don't want that shit, dude. Exactly. If you have some kind of a star of David or something, you can do my accounting. You can get my taxes done, but nah, I'm not gonna trust you to do my vinyl siding.
2: Yeah, you're not getting up on that roof. That's you're not you're not gonna be able to tell me about chemtrails afterwards. Yeah,
1: that's right. I'm trying to. This is not just about construction. This is about learning some shit. Exactly. This is about not being sheeple anymore. <laughs> All right, that's the podcast, guys. Don't forget to check us out online at facebook.com slash Indecorous Comedy, Instagram at Indecorous Comedy, Twitter at Indecorous Pod. We also have a TikTok that I still haven't checked out because I don't have. Do you have TikTok, Bobby? Do you think I have TikTok? T- no, I don't. I mean, I just I'm, I'm obligated to ask that question contractually.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm behind the times. I'm behind the
1: times, too, but apparently we have a TikTok that Ian is handling. Maybe that's what he's doing. That's why he's not on the podcast is because he's so consumed with TikTok right now. Yeah, that's what Ian needs,
2: more interaction with children. That's
1: Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So check us out on that. And most importantly of all, Patreon. If you want to support us monetarily, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash comedy and support us online. And if you... Can't afford that, then just tell a friend. Tell a friend to check us out. If you like the podcast, tell them to listen to the podcast. We need all the listeners we can get. How do you spell indecorous, Bobby?
2: That's I N D E C O R O U S. I N D E C O R O U S. That
1: is correct. So check us out online, guys. Thank you for listening. Walk your cat. Walk your cat.
2: What are you talking about? That ain't my fucking kid.